dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. In business as in life, success is largely a function of focus. Knowing what our priorities are allows us to hit them correctly, and hitting them correctly allows us to be successful. What's the proper focus for leadership? What is it supposed to be all about? Aquinas's De Regno offers us an amazing lesson in leadership, allowing us to see that the true end goal of leadership is in the ultimate perfection of those whom we lead. Thanks everybody for coming back again. This is of course a very important time for us all to really grow deeply in our leadership. And I just want you to reflect as we begin here upon how many people are going to be influenced by what you decide to do during this time of formation. And so like, if we were just to get into touch right now of the number of children that you have, the number of employees that you have, the number of people on your management team who are influenced by your decisions, let alone the number of customers who are going to be touched by what you guys do on a daily basis. Why don't you just think about that right now? Think about their names, see their faces. Realize that the, the mood that you take into your workplace today is going to directly impact the mood of how many people, the way that you greet them when you go through the door today, how many people are going to be impacted by that. And if, if you realize how much your leadership, your decisions today are going to impact the lives of the children in the schools and in the homes, and the way that their parents, when they come back from working from you today, are going to, you know, that's going to impact them. As you impact their parents, your employees, their parents impact them. Just how big is that footprint, really, of your leadership? It's written in the lives of so many people. Right? So I want to keep you to keep those people in mind today as we go forward because the reason that you're here is to deepen that impact for the good. Our job is to make an impact. Leadership can be defined, I think, really beautifully. I think in, in very simple terms, leadership is influence, right? An influence that's intentionally born in order to improve the lives of those who are around you. Right? So to, to the degree that I'm not improving their life, I'm not leading Right? Instead, I'm being a part of a corruptive influence. And you could even look at that as a kind of leadership, the leadership towards the bad, towards the negative. But this is not our point. 
Christ did not die for this world and entrusted to us in order for us to make the world worse. <laughs> he died for this world and entrusted it to us so that we could make the world better and bring his salvific influence to bear in shaping the culture, the lives, the people who are there in this world. This is what it's all about. And we who have taken up this mantle of leadership, right? We take upon ourselves that burden to fight for what is good. I think often of that quote by Thomas Jefferson, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph in the world is for good people to do nothing, right? As soon as leadership for the good is absent, leadership for the bad becomes present. Darkness can only exist where there is no light. Cavities can only afflict the teeth where there is no health, right? Uh, weaknesses can only be exploited when they are left unfortified. And in the same way, evil will control our families and our own inner hearts only to the degree that authentic virtue and authentic leadership for the good is absent. Our role is to bring Christ and his kingdom into the hearts of all those who are around us. Our goal is to bring the light of the revelation of Jesus Christ and his power of his grace to bear in our world. I know that many of you work in secular society. You work in businesses that you have no control over. You feel like you can't really bring that light into your business because it's against the code of conduct. It's against the rules. It's against the way that the, the, the company is set up. I understand that, but I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to, is that is the only way for you to bring Christ and his values into this world by an overt proclamation of his name? I mean, if it is, well, I think you're, you're actually short selling the power of Christianity and the power of the government. We need to proclaim his name and make him known. Absolutely. And yet at the same time, his name and his power are not known only by evangelism. They're also made known by the effective transformation of systems, of processes, of mindsets, and of culture. And this is also an effective place for bringing out the fullness of our Christian message. In fact, it's the place where that Christian message finds its root and finds its, an effect in the practical places of people's lives. And this is exactly what Pope John Paul II put so beautifully when he talks about the mission of the Christian lay faithful by saying, your mission is to show the world the love that God has for it. To show the places of business and the people who come to work in a business in a secular environment, fine, it doesn't matter. To bring into that secular environment the light of the gospel by the way that you lead it, the way that you influence it, the way that you use it. Right? Already taking care of the material needs of people is an act of charity. Burying the dead, clothing the naked, feeding the hungry. Isn't that what you guys are doing every single day? 
the services that you you render to our world and the world of finances and the world of management, these are things that actually improve our world by making it more disposed to the life of virtue, which itself makes this world more disposed to the light of the gospel in its fullness. But you're engaged, even if it be in a distant way, in that same mission, which is to overcome evil and to redeem humanity you simply work for that redemption in a place that i think often you think too little of yourself in you look at yourself and just say all i am is a bean counter father nathan and i'm saying no you're you're much more than a bean counter and those beans need to be counted by the way what you actually are is a humble and amazing servant of the most high king who has placed you there in his kingdom to count those beans so that they be counted well because if they're not disorder will afflict our world i mean accounting is an amazing antidote to corruption and theft and you are on the front lines of that process you bring order you bring clarity you you bring so much accountability to the leaders of this world. I mean, think about it. I want you to take a higher view of who you are because, and that's why I want to teach this course. When you see what Thomas tells us today in De Regno, his letter to the King of Cyprus, it's amazing. He lays out for us a scope that says that that very work of materiality that you limit yourself to is found within the scope of the the mission of jesus christ the high priest and his saving of the world i want to show you how that's done father nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form unite and inspire you and your family go to eagleeyeministries.org that's e-a-g-l-e-e-y-e ministries.org and subscribe to eagle eye pro subscribe today all right, so you know you know what I'm talking about here. We're looking at the, the letter from St. Thomas Aquinas that he wrote to the king of Cyprus all about being a king. And so his examples are usually taken from you know the political realm about being a king and governing all these people and things. And so I think that this letter has gone without a lot of commentary with respect to our contemporary view of leadership. And I lament it because if we think that the simple fact that Aquinas is talking here about political kings, that that somehow makes what he says irrelevant to the rest of us who no longer follow a king. You really are, you know, lacking in the basic understanding of the power of Aquinas's thought. In chapters 11, 12, 13, St. Thomas looks at the punishments that belong to kings that do poorly and the rewards that belong to kings that act virtuously. But in chapters 14 and 15, he really narrows it down to say what's the purpose of a king and this is a, a question i think a lot of us have in, inside the perspective that we're given by this world is that leadership is all about you it's, it's a great opportunity for you to to be a great person and you can acquire wealth by it and then more or less that's it so we go to great schools in order to get great jobs and then we have great jobs in order to advance in our great careers and at the end of our great careers to parachute out of them into a retirement i guess where we finish our day breeding golden retrievers or some sort of thing you know like but 
is that really what it's all about? Is your leadership really all about you advancing in power and in temporal affairs? If it's so, you're actually missing out on the great joy that comes in life and that should befit and belong to you as a leader. That great joy that comes in the life of a leader that you should have is the joy of looking for the deeper things. I have an opportunity through my leadership to accomplish something much greater than whatever task I've been given in the practicality of the thing. That greater task that I have is to create what Thomas calls the unity of peace. It's a phrase that I find unfortunate because it's rather vague. But at the same time, you'll find it written about in different ways all in all kinds of leadership literature. Because the unity of peace is where the members on your team, the people who are underneath you in whatever element that it might be, the children, for example, in your house, all fall into a harmony where each one can perform for the good that they all share in common according to the gifts and the talents that are theirs. And if I can bring a harmony into a group, I can produce an effect that is bigger than the sum of its parts. And that's the goal of great leadership. It's to allow each person to play their role in something that is created by all of them together in a way that's even bigger than the impact that each one of them could have alone. Then I start to taste the real advantage that I have to belonging into a society, into a group and an association. And that's what my people need. When they come to work every day and they, they find in the workplace a harmony, uh, when they can work together in a deeper way, when their lives are made impactful, and they're able to understand a bigger picture to themselves and to the work that they do, well, now the work actually becomes something people are looking forward to and something that benefits them more profoundly. And this is what Aquinas says every leader needs to strive for. In a sense, it's a challenge because for most of us, we limit our leadership saying, you know what, I'm here just to make sure that the stuff gets done. And Aquinas is challenging us to say, no, it's not just that the stuff gets done. It's that it gets done well. And he defines what we say, well, how does that, what does that mean? That it gets done well. It means that it's produced in an orderly fashion, et cetera. And Aquinas is like, no, it's that the way that it's done be done in a way that's genuinely helpful to the people who are doing it. It's a real challenge because in our world today, we tend to limit the scope of our work to what is material, what is measurable. And when we do that, we limit the, our judgment of the success of leadership to what is material and what is measurable. I mean, where else do we get this concept that somehow I'm a successful leader if I leave the world with most toys, right? Whoever leaves with the most toys wins. That's the, the, the terrible expression. But that's kind of like how a lot of us think about our lives. 
Well, like after I'm done with this job, I'm going to go, I'm going to get a bass boat. I'm going to get a second bass boat. I'll get a faster bass boat. Then I'll get an island that I can fish off of. I mean, you know, and I just kind of look at that and I say, and then what? And then what? Is there any limit to that? When exactly will you be satisfied? And the answer is you'll never be satisfied. You'll always be looking after something else or trying to find something else. Because the fact is you're trying to fill your heart with something that, it's ne- that will never be able to fill it because your heart fundamentally is a spiritual thing. And this world can, and materiality is not. If you therefore look at that as the goal of your life, you'll look at productivity and, and outer sustainability as the mere goals of your leadership and your impact will be limited to that as well. And so you'll really be missing the point. Your greatness is not going to be found in your ability to make more with less. Your greatness will be demonstrated in a capacity where you have to make more with less. But it's, it'll be demonstrated there. But your true impact in life won't be given just by doing more with less. It's not a quotient of efficiency, in other words. Leadership is found cloaked in efficiency. It's found occasioned in efficiency. But its essence is not one of efficiency. Its essence is one of perfecting the deep down things. I need to transform the way that I look at my own life as a leader. I'm not in this just in order to get more toys. I'm not in this in order to advance my reputation. What am I in this for? In order to live well. If I've been given the challenge of leadership and the position of a leader, it's to make me rise in the deeper aspects of myself, to make me more intelligent, more compassionate, more aware of my own feelings, and so that I can improve upon them right? My, my life is not going to be measured, in other words, based upon how well I performed or how many things that I produced. My life is going to be measured in the way that I produced them. And as soon as I adapt that spiritual way of looking at my life, I can then lead my people to do the same. This job that you have, everybody, it's not, this is just an occasion. This is the arena for you to do the real battle, which is to rise up in formation of who you are to new challenges, to new ways of communicating, to new discipline, to to deeper intelligence, and to a deeper awareness of how you can really transform this world. What if I could lead my people in that sense? What if I could help my my people on my team to have a deeper understanding of their dignity and and their upward calling and how they're, then I'd be making an impact that when they went home every night, they would come home not just tired and worn out, they'd come home deepened, more perfect, more aware of their deeper responsibilities in the home. Materialism, I think in other words, is fought against wonderfully by leaders who have a sense of their own spirituality. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart 
and an entrepreneur's mind, visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. As the leader is spiritual, so his leadership will be impactful in spiritual ways. This is the teaching that St. Thomas Aquinas lays out in chapters 14 to 15 of De Regno on the King. It's, it's just an amazing thing. He's like, look, what's the purpose of the whole, the whole goal? And he's like, let's, I mean, can I just like be honest with you? You guys here, you're all Christians, right? So from a Christian perspective, the, go, the end goal of everything is the attainment of, of union with God. St. Thomas Aquinas calls it fruitio, fruitio, like the fruition, the, the enjoyment of God himself. This is what life is all about. And we Christians owe that proclamation to this world to help steer the world aright. If, in other words, it, everything is made with a specific purpose in mind. If the thing attains, anything attains its purpose, it attains its ultimate happiness and well-being. Our job as a leader in this world is to bring everything that's given to us towards that state the best that we can by disposing it and protecting it, but also by nurturing it and encouraging it so that everything that we touch ends up becoming closer to that state of being fulfilled of having its perfection right that's our role that means that we have as a leader the number one thing the number one thing that we have to do is know where things ought to be going what does that perfection look like because my job is to bring this world towards that perfection so if i'm really good at if I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a craftsman and I'm really good at welding, well, I'll know how to put a weld down that is wonderfully done and that actually makes the metals stronger and that brings them into a bond that can't be broken and et cetera, right? Well, in the same way, if I'm leading people, I got to say to myself, what's going to make this bond, this team actually be more perfect? And Aquinas says, well, we as Christians have the ultimate wisdom. We know what the ultimate perfection of human beings ought to be. And that's a union with the Father in the Son under the motion of the Holy Spirit of their souls with God. Right? So he goes off into this long thing saying, that's why it's so great to have priests who are kings. And that shocks a lot of people because we're like, oh my gosh, I'm not quite sure <laughs> that my priest is going to make the greatest king. You know, and I, I, I second that emotion, you know, that, that, that's true. But at the same time, like theoretically, what he's looking at and, and describing has value. He's saying the, the Christ Jesus, our Lord, is a royal priest. His priesthood, his, our, his, his ability to unite us with God actually is the light that allows every one of us to attain our deepest and truest perfection. And so therefore, being a, a kingly priest is kind of the ideal. He, that's, this is what he's saying. You know, he's like, if it was really, you know, if you had a perfectly wise person, 
their wisdom and knowledge of God would be the light that would guide all of the activities of humanity. And then he breaks it down from there. It's a little bit of an idealistic view, obviously, because none of our priests, you know, uh, it's rare. It's a rare thing to find a priest who's capable also of being a king. But his point is well taken. And you who are kings in all the different domains of your life, king of your home, king or queen of your home, queen of your, your tennis club, queen of your office, queen of your business that you founded, whatever, wherever your, your authority is wielded, Aquinas says you will have an advantage as a Christian in that you understand the real purpose of all things, which is namely to bring them to God. You can't, however, he says, make that purpose always redound in an explicit fashion. And so you have to spend your time disposing people towards that. And sometimes that's all the further you can get. It's really an amazingly fresh approach to this, right? You think that he would say, therefore, you have to like impose religion upon people. But that's not it at all. Religion is not something that the church imposes. It's something that the church proposes, okay? And how do I propose religion in a secular environment when I'm not in a Christian world, but a secular one, and religion is not even a welcome topic? And Thomas says, the best you can do there is still what you owe your people. And that is to govern their unity towards true peace by disposing them towards virtue. By creating an environment where people live according to their excellence and where people can bring out their deep excellence, their true excellence, their intelligence, their heart, and express it in a concord that is deeper than just getting things done. This in itself disposes people to take that next step towards God. And if you can't focus in just on the world of virtue, if that too is too high a goal, right? He's like, well, then you can provide what is necessary to make sure that that does not fail. So in all of those things, we Christian leaders are serving the ultimate goal. No one can attain uh, union with God unless they be virtuous. No one can attain virtue unless there be harmony and peace. There cannot be harmony and peace unless there be the materiality necessary for it all to thrive. And all of these domains, we are called to serve by providing this in the name of God and then pushing it towards its ultimate perfection, which is in union with Him. What an amazing life that we're given. And that life is given to you. Share great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.